Good morning. Josh uh, singing all the hits this morning. I like it. I like it. At least in my personal playlist. There you go. So appreciate that very much. And I think about um, the group of people that we have gathered here to, you know, it's not a large group by any means, but to have the talent and uh, abilities, obviously, that God, we believe God has brought together uh, in such a small group. I know a lot of churches bigger than us with more members probably struggle to have some of the things that we we have the luxury of here and are blessed to have. And so we're just so thankful for that, um, to, to have so many people with so many different talents. And that's not just up here in front of people. I know a lot of times we as human beings, we put a lot of praise on that. Uh, but man, there are just so many people behind the scenes that one day will get all the glory that they're due um, for those just because of the grace of God and his willingness to bestow those things. And I think oftentimes of Acts 17, where Paul used the phrase that one time he winked at our ignorance, you know, and he winks at us doing the best that we can, as, as pitiful as that may be from time to time. But uh, the, the great redneck word that shows up in the Bible, and he reckoned it unto him as righteousness. Uh, love that. Uh, but we'll be in Zechariah chapter 6, and I'm going to read that chapter. It's a short chapter, and then we'll spend some time in Galatians 3, uh, if, if you want to mark those two places in your Bible. Uh, and I want you to think about um, some, of the, some of the imagery that we find in Revelation that shows up in Zechariah chapter 6. Um, and, and it, it kind of hits home this idea that a lot of times we approach Revelation, and we really approach the Bible a lot of times from a 2020 or whatever the year is perspective. And we kind of try to oftentimes take you know a square peg and cram it into a round hole. And it's very important for us, as best we can, to try and put the text within when it was written and who it was written to. So there's a lot of things in Revelation that to us, you know, us Gentiles, we read it and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes we can try to force some things in there that may not be in there. And then you read the minor prophets or the major prophets and you see these connections. You go, okay, well, all right, that starts to bring a little more imagery to it. And the more you dig and the more you get into it, the more you realize you just don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. And uh, a lot of times God, as it says, that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We know what we need to know, uh, when we need to know it. And that's one of the beauties of Scripture. You can go back and you can read. I, this week I, was, I probably read Romans 4 a thousand times in my life, right? Read it this week, and something just slaps me in the face. Like, wow, okay, right? I, I didn't see that those previous times. That's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing, and that's the beauty of Scripture is it can be fresh every time. So keep that in your mind. Obviously, there's other references as we begin to read here, and this is the New Living Translation of Zechariah 6. Then I looked up again and saw four chariots coming from between two bronze mountains. The first chariot was pulled by red horses, the second by black horses, the third by white horses, and the fourth by powerful dappled gray horses. And what are these, my Lord? I asked the angel who was talking with me. The angel replied, These are the four spirits of heaven who stand before the Lord of all the earth. They are going out to do his work. The chariot with black horses is going north. The chariot with the white horses is going west. And the chariot with dappled gray horses is going south. The powerful horses were eager to set out to patrol the earth. And the Lord said, Go and patrol the earth. So they left at once on their patrol. 
Then the Lord summoned me and said, Look, those who went north have vented the anger of my spirit there in the land of the north. Then I received another message from, Lord, from the Lord. Heldiah, Tobijah, and Jediah will bring gifts of silver and gold from the Jews, exiled in Babylon. As soon as they arrive, meet them at the home of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Accept their gifts and make a crown from the silver and gold. Then put the crown on the head of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Tell him, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, Here is the man called the branch. He will branch out from where he is and build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he will build the temple of the Lord. Then he will receive royal honor and will rule as king from his throne. He will also serve as priest from his throne, and there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. The crown will be a memorial in the temple of the Lord to honor those who gave it, Heldiah, Tobijah, Jediah, and Josiah, son of Zephaniah. People will come from distant lands to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And when this happens, you will know that my messages have been from the Lord of heaven's army. All this will happen if you carefully obey what the Lord your God does. And, you know, as I read this, I I tend to think that this high priest that we hear over and over again would be like most high priests and just be uh, run-of-the-mill Joe high priest, right? There's a bunch of them. There's long lists. Some of them are, you know, in the Bible and they have great stories. Some of them are overlooked, you know, they're lost to history. And some of them, you know, are infamous maybe uh, from the days of Jesus. And yet here he is, this, this priest, and he's receiving the promise of Abraham. He's receiving the promise of Abraham. And that's going to lead us to Galatians 3. And, and you can go, on, go ahead and turn over to that passage in this idea of the promise versus the law is what we're going to speak a little bit about, talk about this morning, or I'm going to talk about it, and hopefully you'll listen and pay attention and gain something from it uh, as I attempt in, in any ways. Um, in, in this comparison, and I, I think about, once again, this high priest and you know what he really had to do with this whole thing. You know, More and more as I learn as a minister, my job more often is to get out of the way and simply obey when it's time to move, right? And and be still and know is not really one of my favorite texts, right? There are very few times in my life that I'm truly still. Uh, Leg, I got that leg thing that, you know, it's just moving, something's got to be going, you know. Uh, Even when I'm asleep, I'm pretty sure I'm twitching from time to time, and and I want to be doing. And a lot of times it's simply, hey, man, just get out of the way, or I just need you to simply obey, simply do what I told you to do, what I'm telling you to do. Be where your feet are. There are tons of things out there that we wish were different today. Uh, But the only way that we change them is through the power of God using us in what seems to be a very monotonous thing from time to time, and that's loving the people that are in our lives and going out to people who are very readily accessible and loving them the way that God would have us to love them. I think about the golden rule. And, you know, it, we're to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. What does God want us to do? He wants us to love Him, and so therefore, He loved us first. How do we do the God-loving thing? Sometimes I get that question, you know, what, how do we do that? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You love your neighbor as yourself. 
you access those people who are readily available. I have friends who from time to time have two paths and they have a decision to make and you know they come to me and I'm no help because I always ask where are you going to help people and are you going to love people in either path that you take and they're like yeah I said well God will be pleased. We sometimes make things so difficult and I'm not saying that we shouldn't want to be at the center of God's will but God pretty plainly tells us hey here's my will to love me with all that you have and therefore love those who are readily available every single day, the annoying ones, the ones who seem to have no place, the Eeyores of the world. You know, if I had that ability, I told my students this week, I said, you know, if I had that ability to just disappear and reappear anywhere I wanted to be, like if I see those Eeyores of the world, I would totally just try to dodge them as much as I can uh, because I'm a little, got a little too much tigger going on. And, but they, they balance me out. I need those people, right? We need those people in our life uh, to balance us out. And hopefully that's the case. But I think that, that this high priest that's talked over and over again is not receiving this wonderful news because of the law. He's receiving it because of a promise made to Abraham. And there you see the difference. I can never fulfill the law. I can never do all of the commandments in the New Testament the way they should be done. Because as soon as I think I master another one, the Holy Spirit comes along and goes, hey, here's another blind spot that you need to let me work on. Right? It's kind of like going to the dentist. You finally get to that point where you're like, oh, I think I'm good. And there comes another one. You know? And there's this molding, this continual sanctification to the very day that we take our last breath. God will never cease to work on us. And I think that's exactly what Josh was talking about this morning. We talked about that idea of hypocrisy. The world looks at us in, in a very simple way and goes, well, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And to some degree we go, well, yeah, I mean, we'll never be there. We'll never be able to plant our flag and say, I've got this thing whooped. I know everything there is to know. But generally speaking, when we work into it, this idea that there's no way I can fulfill the law, but I am receiving the promise that was made thousands of years ago to Abraham. And there we see the difference of the law and the difference of faith. Good morning. Hope everybody has had a great opportunity uh, to be grateful. Uh, an attitude of gratitude goes a long way in this world and it uh, goes a long way in making people different uh, if you're really grateful uh, for the things that uh, not necessarily that you can put your hands on but grateful for the things that uh, we we can feel uh, and maybe not even feel sometimes sometimes you fake it till you make it uh, do the best thing that you can do and the beauty of that is is that we know that god um, in, in at least some way, honors effort. Uh, that uh, there are a lot of times throughout the text, through the Bible, and uh, obviously the book of Romans is a great example of that, that you know, there are times where we just don't even know what to do. We don't really know what the practical thing is. Uh, and I think because of the Holy Spirit, and, and that's one of the, the great uh, things that we get through the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, is this idea that we can be where our feet are, and we can serve and we can love people where our feet are. You know, we oftentimes as human beings get choices of what we're going to do and how we're going to spend our time in this life. And, and for Christians, that can be difficult because, 
you know, we can really serve and honor God in a lot of capacities, you know, as, as friends that I have who, uh, for some reason, ask me for advice on uh, direction in their life. Uh, you know, I'm obvious, a lot of times I'll say, well, you know, are you going to help people and love people in either direction? And they say yes. And I said, well, I think God can be honored in, in whichever way. And I think because of the Holy Spirit, that is a capability that we have that you know we can really make choices in life and we can live from free will and in any of those circumstances we can serve God obviously there are things that are sinful there are things that are never going to honor God uh, and so those choices are pretty cut and dry from scripture but we live in a world that through Jesus and through that indwelling we can make choices that may benefit our family in one way versus another that can honor him and it's always what ricky talks about uh, a blessing when we have this group together at this specific time uh, and i think that we can be blessed in it as we get into zechariah chapter 7 um i did not plan this uh, but the first verse there talks about it being december the 7th as we approach that time of year kind of in that zone uh, we kind of move from these visions uh, that Zechariah has had and has been sharing with the people into, okay, what does this look like practically? How can we, in our physicalness, uh, be acceptable to God? Because we know that uh, the Old Testament has a lot to say. Uh, Whitney's got to cover numbers and Deuteronomy, I think, in two weeks before the Christmas break. And that may be proved difficult. Uh, you're going to have to hurry a little bit through that. But, you know, there are certain things that God says, this is acceptable to me. And then we as human beings come along and we kind of try to, you know, I don't know if you can really improve on those things. But, hey, what does that look like on an everyday basis? And I think that, once again, free will plays a part in that. You know, in the New Testament, we're, we're told that we have a lot of liberty to do just about anything, but what is beneficial? What is the most beneficial thing? And, and obviously, talking about Wednesday nights, you know, you've got to take that into consideration. What is the most beneficial thing? What, what is the, you know, and, and people, when they say, is it safe? Well, then you have to compare it to what, well, you know, right? It, it, well, it's safe. Well, compared to what? And, and the beauty of personal liberty is, is that we can all make that decision uh, once again through free will. You know, we, we all get that opportunity, and I think that's something that we want to promote here at this church. Obviously, we have avenues uh, where people can be with us in some capacity. And I think that it's been handled very well. Obviously, uh, uh, I've not had much say-so in that, and that's probably why it's been handled pretty well. Um, and, and, but I think that that's the beauty of this church is there's so much liberty and we try to live from that as much as we can, but also, you know, keep in mind, uh, the, the well-being of others. And I think that that's always a balance as Christians that we need to strike. And, uh, it, it's not an easy balance, but it's one that we take seriously and, and enter into prayer about. And so we see this in Zechariah. Okay. Now what does God's presence. What does the temple being rebuilt, us getting our land back, how do we maintain that? How do we become acceptable in God's sight? And the beauty of it, and especially the New Testament, I think it's really a biblical theme, is there's very little in comparison required of us. That, that God is the one who's holding this together. There's nothing, no sin or some decision that we're going to be making that's going to totally take God by surprise. 
I think it goes all the way back, really, to, to Genesis, the first part of Genesis. But I think specifically, you can look at the life of Abraham. Abraham has no idea how to please God. And a lot of scholars think that he has no idea who God is. And so here's this God, and some people think even masquerading as a God that he would have been familiar with. Uh, and he comes and says, okay, this is how you please me. And really, over and over again, it's simple obedience. Right? It's simply, hey, I need you to go do this. Okay, I'm going to do that. Trusting and having faith that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain. And God does over and over and over again. It's difficult for me as a Christian to have the text that we have to read over and over again that God keeps His promises. In comparison to Abraham, who I don't know how much you know, interaction he had had with Yahweh God up until this point, uh, but there's this statement and there's some idea of respect. And, and I mentioned this last week about reckoned unto him as righteousness. That God accepted what Abraham was able to give and, and honored that and viewed this as righteousness. And I, I have a willingness to, to say that Abraham probably wouldn't have known what righteousness was until it walked up and talked to him. Then he got this understanding. And that's not without Abraham asking questions. Obviously, there's discussions between Abraham and God, and that's something that God wants. Over and over again in, in Scripture, we see God being asked these difficult questions. And sometimes God says, okay, well, I've got an answer. Sometimes he's, I've got an answer that you won't understand, so let's just get to the obe obedient part. Uh, and then there's sometimes where God shows up and he makes his point. I think Abraham, see, you see those answers throughout Abraham's life. God's, uh, at one point, Abraham says, hey, I, I need some proof. And so God goes, okay, here's your proof. And it talks about the dread of the Lord fell upon Abraham. And it's almost you get from the text, especially in the original language, this idea that uh, he, he didn't know what he was asking for. And so he got an abundance, uh, more than he was actually asking for, in why you should trust God. And we see that throughout the text, right? Daniel, an angel shows up. Daniel becomes like a dead man later on in Revelation. Jesus, you know, the peace-loving hippie Jesus that we get pictured today uh, throughout the Gospels. All of a sudden, this Jesus shows up in Revelation, and it's all of a sudden, oh, okay. You know, and, and this is John, right? The one whom Jesus loved, you know, one of the inner three. And all of a sudden, John gets a little taste of the Lion of Judah, and it's a different response. You know, he, he falls on his face. Uh, and, and this idea you get later in, in the epistles of John, right, that we... We saw Him. We touched Him. We, we had this physical relationship with God in the flesh. And then in Revelation you see, well, but He's still, he's still a little dangerous. And there's still an adventure there to be had. And so the Jews had a real understanding of that to the point that they would change God's name and how they would reference Him. To this very day, if you were taking a Hebrew course with even the most secular Jew, and you read the name of God, if you said Yahweh, they're not going to be happy with you. You can't say that name. You are a mere human being. So just think about them walking into one of our worship services and us just flippantly saying Jehovah or Yahweh or calling Him by His first name, you might say, and that would be highly offensive. You do not do that. That's not okay. That's not kosher, to use a term. You just don't do that. You change it. 
If you go through the Hebrew text and you read Yahweh, that's offensive. You, you change, you substitute the name Yahweh to Adonai. You call Him Lord, and that's about as close as you can get to calling Him by His first name. There's this heavy understanding of reverence to God that, that sometimes we miss because of His wonderful mercy and grace that we have in Jesus, right? We can call on Him anytime. We can call Him any name, right? And they have an issue with that. And obviously, I would much rather live under the law of liberty that we live under, that we can call on the name of God any way that we want. But we also need to understand that when these chapters, like Zechariah 7, that they're asking, how, how do we even approach the throne of God? We want to be acceptable. What, what has to change? And I think the response is here is your motivation your motivation. And I'm not saying that motivation uh, forgives sins, that, that that's all that we need. Obviously, if motivation was the case, you look at the Apostle Paul. Tremendous motivation to the point that Jesus even mentions your, your zealousness, your, your excitement for the law, your excitement for being acceptable to God. That's not all of it. So don't get me mixed up here, right? There, there is an obedience part. He, uh, you know, Saul is struck blind and the mention of the zealousness that he had, but he still had to go do what he was told to do. And I think in reading Romans, I've gotten to Romans 4, and all of a sudden, you know, that that question this old Campbellites get from time to time, well, what if you're on your way to get baptized and you're you're killed on your way to being baptized in, in obedience? And I think Romans 4 is the answer, right? That he reckoned it unto him as righteous. God saw something in Abraham that pleased him, right? So I think it's similar. What if, what if Abraham was on his way to sacrifice Isaac and something terrible happened and he was killed? You know, does he get the, the benefit of that? And I, I would say that over and over again, absolutely, right? God knows that. Now there's also, once again, a reverent part of that, that God knows our motivation in everything. Even sometimes when we fake ourselves out, He knows there's no faking God out. We oftentimes laugh at Jonah for running from God. But I think it's also laughable sometimes when we think that, oh, well, I've got a lot of people fooled, then I've got God fooled. And that's never been the case and never will be. So as we get here, I want you to think about that. They ask God about these fasting times. You know, they ask Him a specific, is this something that we need to continue on December 7th, the fourth year of King Darius' reign, another message came to Zechariah from the Lord. The people of Bethel and, uh, had sent Jesherazer, sure, uh, and I'm not even going to try that next one, along with their attendants to seek the Lord's favor. They were to ask this question to the prophets and the priests of the temple, the Lord of Heaven's armies. Should we continue to mourn and fast each summer on the anniversary of the temple's destruction, as we have done for so many years. Well, the temple's back, right? We're rebuilding the temple, so should we continue to do these things? The Lord of Heaven's army sent me the message in reply. Say to all your people and your priests, during these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? Isn't this the same message the Lord proclaimed through the prophets in years past when Jerusalem and the towns of Judah were bustling with people and the Negev and the foothills of Judah were well populated? Then this message came to Zechariah from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness 
to one another. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? He's basically saying, you, you can keep doing those things if you want, but if the motivation behind those things are not the right motivations, then they ring hollow. They ring hollow. It's difficult for me to be grateful. At least it used to be, right? I've always had a healthy FOMO, fear of missing out. Unfortunately, my daughter has been infected, right? It's always the next party. When's the next party? When's the next event? And since 2018, it's been a little easier to slow down and go, hey, let's appreciate what we got right here. Let's slow down. Let's understand that all of us have a limited time frame where we can be together, right? And I think that once we get to that point where we're meeting regularly and things are, and we're headed that direction, I, I truly believe, uh, whatever you think about it, you know, maybe, just maybe, that will help us not, at least for a portion of time, we're all human beings, right? Really appreciate what we have when we have it. And it's so difficult as human beings. And God says, hey, you can continue to do those things. But if you're not showing mercy and kindness and love, then you're just going through the motions. And that's everything in life, y'all. I mean, honestly, think about all the things that we do as a matter of circumstance. Or as a matter of, well, that's just the way we've always done it. Think about how many times in the Gospels Jesus rebukes things just because, well, this has become a law unto themselves. This tradition, that's just the way we've always done it, Jesus. Right? It's just the way we've always done it. Well, what's the motivation? Is it to show love and kindness? I've, I've used this example before here. I've used it in Bible class, you know, and I, Thanksgiving is always when I remember it. You know, like if, if, you're, if your parents came home and said, hey, we're not doing Thanksgiving this year, we're going to go uh, and, and feed the poor, right? And your response, my response as a teenager would be like, what? Are you kidding me? Right? Obviously, that's a spoiled response. You know, take it to the next level. The next, really, the next step up is they come and say that. You say, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But then, later, even better, and I think this is a better example of righteousness, is when it's your idea to serve and help, and it's not somebody else's. And so we're all kind of marching towards that level of maturity, and I'm certainly not reached it there yet, because I certainly like my turkey and my stuffing and all that good stuff. But if we have all these holidays, right, and they're going to be, the debate rings anew, right, how much should we buy into Christmas, you know, and all those things. And, of course, the older I get, the more I go, hey, if anybody pauses that doesn't regularly pause and even has to almost forcibly deal with this idea of this little baby in a manger who came to save us all from our sins, then so be it, right? I, I'm just to that point, like, hey, man, you do you. You need to put up Christmas lights the day after Halloween to get you through this year, amen, right? I mean, whatever. As long as we keep it within respectable, right? Show mercy, kindness, and justice. Be humble, right? And I'll tell you something. There's nothing quite so humbling as to realize that the God who created it all, spoke it into existence, became flesh and dwelt among us and did what none of us could do so that we might 
be with Him again someday. You see, it's, it's all these things, they ring hollow. All of it. Whatever holidays you want to celebrate, whatever great works and ministries that we do here at Riverside, you will never get the full benefit of it until you continue to learn. I don't think there's ever that day we stick our flag in the ground and we've, we've conquered it, we've accomplished it, we're done. You know, I've done my part, uh, you know, because our part is so small. It's so minute, right? And we put people, oh, the preacher, right? He does all these amazing things. Or, or the head coach, or fill in the blank of what you want to do. But what we do is so minute. I'm just offering up the crumbs. I think about Jesus in that discussion where the lady comes and she, she needs this. And he says, should I give you know, the, the, the bread of Israel to, to the dogs? And people like wrestle with that. Oh, what is Jesus saying there? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, I think he's just poking a stick at these Israelites who think they're better than everybody else. And he says, I, it's basically this statement of, I've come to destroy the social construct of this big, huge difference. This middle wall, as Ephesians says, he's here to tear down the middle wall of hostility so that we don't have to be separated. And you can take that to the temple, right? The very temple, and I'll bring it back to chapter 7, the temple that they're building will miss the point if the temple is built to separate people from God. And that's why in the Gospels Jesus has such harsh words for the people of God. You've not used the temple to bring people together and help them connect with this wonderful, awesome, merciful God. You've used it to divide people and keep them away from Him and act like you have something that belongs to you. God doesn't belong to me. I belong to Him. And only because, like Abraham, he reached out and said, hey, this is what makes me happy. This is what makes you acceptable. And all I need is your simple obedience. Just do... I mean, how many times have I told my... Just do what I told you to do. <laughs> please. Almost, almost beg, please, you know. Just do... I don't want to discipline you. I don't want to have to hammer you all the time. I will because I love you and I want the best for you. And God says that over and over again in the text. But see, here's the problem. And here's what it looks like. It even goes in practicality. That's why I love the New Testament. It's so practical. But then we find in Zechariah, right? Verse 9, Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners and the poor and do not scheme against each other Ooh, oh man right we don't see any scheming in our world today right we should question everything and and, and the thing is it's much like bible study right we we deem bible study as reading the bible and that's not bible study Right? And I'm not saying that you can't read the Bible and garner something right off the front end. Obviously, a lot of it's just blatant right in your face. This right here, this text. Right? We all know what all those things mean. It's practicing them. But studying your Bible is going and finding out for your seeking. Who seeks God? The question is asked in the text. No one seeks me. It's going and studying. That's why when I teach the senior Bible... We do a study quiz every week where they have to go. They're going to learn how to study the Bible and find it for themselves. We are inept in our society on how to even find the truth. Probably because we're really lazy and memes are easier, right? It's just easier. Headlines are easier. And we really, as people of God, 
need to find the truth even when it's inconvenient and it hurts a little. Too many people in the world find one stat. Aha! There's what we were looking for. It's the same thing, right? I came out of a tradition where we cherry-pick verses. Oh, this says what I want, so I'm going to preach from it 80,000 times in a year without going, going hey, let's, let's go see what the rest of it says and how that connects, right? How many of you have heard multiple sermons on Romans 6 in your life? Right? Yeah, a bunch of us. I mean, well, you, you go to church here, so you've heard plenty of Romans 8. But before you came here, right? Romans 8, Romans 10, how many? I mean, it's the whole context of the thing. And you get this over and over again. Verse 11, what was the issue? What is all of our issues? Your ancestors refused to listen to this message. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing. There are things that some of my students say that a lot of times I'm like, la, 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 la. Right? They're just too comfortable with me sometimes. They're like, dude, you know, I don't want to know what you're scheming. You know, now, if there's something going on in your life, I want to know that. But how you're going to try to get around the rules, you do realize that I'm a part of enforcing the rules. Like, that's just dumb. Why would you say that out loud? They just think we're really deaf when really we just try to ignore some things that they say. Because, well, nobody needs to hear what they're saying. Uh, and then you almost hope their classmates do the same. They made their hearts as hard as stone so they could not hear the instructions or the messages the Lord of Heaven's armies had sent them by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. That is why the Lord of Heaven's army was so angry with them. Since they refused to listen when I called to them, I would not listen when they called to me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. As with a whirlwind, I scattered them among the distant nations where they lived as strangers. Their land became so desolate that no one even traveled through it. They turned their pleasant land into a desert. What is the issue that starts the ball rolling? A refusal to listen. Romans 1. You know, anytime there's legislation on homosexuality, right? Romans 1. Let's read it. We go back to it. But if you'll notice, the, the first step of Romans 1 is to suppress the truth. Why do people want to suppress the truth? We get a great example of it today. You see it everywhere. Because the truth is inconvenient. And it hurts sometimes. And it doesn't always say what we want it to say. And so it's so much easier as a human being to suppress it and just take the punch on the chin. And God is saying, why? Why not deal with the inconvenience now so that it can be very convenient later? That's the plea every time you hear the truth of God, is make the decision now. If you're not a Christian this morning, guess what? You have a decision to make. If you're a Christian this morning, guess what? You have a decision to make. And it's the same decision every single day. We oftentimes think, and I believe in justification. Don't get me wrong on this. I believe that it is incredibly harder to fall away from God than we make it out to be. If it was every time we fell short, we're outside, guess what? We'd never be in. We would never be in. Because at no point until we take our last breath and we're dead all over like Rover, then our thought system will change. But until we still live in the flesh, there is a battle being waged, Romans 7, in our bodies. 
But there's so many people out there who are turned off to Christianity because they believe that every time they slip up or every time they have a thought that isn't in accordance with the will of God, they're in the fire. And they have to climb themselves out. Right? A ladder that they made. And that's such a Jewish thought. If, if that was the case, he would have never come. You could have just stayed in Judaism and you'd have been fine. But that's not how it works. He built the ladder. He made the heaven. He made the process. He created the path. He did everything, and we do just a little bit that he asks of us. And so every day we just make the simple belief statement and confess with our actions that we trust God more than we trust our flesh. And one of the saddest things in the world today for me when I get on social media is so many people are looking for a Savior but refuse to look to Jesus it's going to be somebody with an R next to their name or a D next to their name or an L beside their name or this team or whoever. And we're trying so desperately to fill the God-shaped hole in our souls with anything else that might be convenient at the time only to live and lose our soul for eternity. So this morning, it's my plea to every person within earshot and all you guys at home is to buy into that. If you've not bought into it, do it. Make the decision to simply obey what God has told us to make us acceptable. If you've done those things, you've got to buy in too. Every time we hear the truth, we have a decision to make. Do I believe that? Do I buy into that? And if I don't, I need to go home, read my word of God, and I need to come back and make sure Travis understands it better than he presented it this morning. Because I'm no more righteous than any person in here and I never will be. I'm only righteous because of the grace and mercy that God has looked at my ignorance and winked on the daily so that I could be closer and look more like Him every day. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that you've sang. I'm glad that you've partaken with us. But I want you to understand just as thousands of years ago in the book of Zechariah, if you come and do those things but you're not humble and you don't show mercy, and you don't show kindness, and you don't love your neighbor as yourself, then you're not really loving God with all that you have. But the beautiful part about that is, is we can get that fixed today. right? We can make a commitment, recommit ourselves to do just that, and you won't find yourself alone in that struggle because we're all facing it. We all need Jesus more than anything else, and that will never change no matter how much the world will war against it, it will always be true. This morning, if you have a need of any kind, we're going to... If you feel like you need to come forward, we, we will honor that too. We'll love you. We'll do it that way. Uh, we're also going to pass the microphone around, and, and you can sit right where you're at, and you can confess whatever you need to confess. We can rejoice in whatever you want to rejoice. If you've got a message that you want to share, we'll be happy to hear it. Uh, but we want to give you that opportunity. We want to encourage you to do that. Maybe grease the wheels a little bit with this song. Uh, then that's what we're going to do as we stand and sing.